Well, guys, good morning. Uh, we're kicking off a series called Grow, and this is in response to a survey we put out a few months ago. We asked our church, what are some things you want to learn? What are some things you want to know more about? What are some questions that you have? And one of the things that kept coming back, it seemed like it'd be like a theme of how do I grow in my faith? Now, how do I trust God? What does it look like for my, my faith to be mature? And so hopefully over the next five weeks, we're going to see five ways that God uses to grow your faith. There's five things that God uses to grow your faith and my faith. So this week, we're going to start with the first one. But let me start here. If simply believing stuff was enough to make a difference, like all you had to do was believe and it would make all the difference in the world, think how different our lives would be. If simply believing stuff was enough to make a difference, think how different our lives would be. So let me give you a couple of examples. Now, I believe our brain is a powerful thing. Our mind is a powerful thing. If we believe that we are fit, yet we haven't really worked out, we haven't exercised, and we don't eat real well, but yet if we believe that we are fit, then we're fit. I think that's a bit of a stretch, don't you? How about another example? I'm rich. I believe that I'm rich. <laughs> and it doesn't really matter how I live. I, I spend more than I make. I'm in a lot of consumer debt, but I believe that I'm rich. How about this one? I'm prepared for that test. I'm prepared for that exam. I'm prepared for that promotion. I'm prepared for that interview. But I, I haven't really looked over my stuff but I believe that I'm going to get it. See, the truth is, most of us know that we know what we need to, to live better lives, more productive lives. We know what we need to do and live better and be more productive. Like, we know what to do, right? What if our problem isn't a lack of information, a lack of knowledge? What if it's something much more? Like, we know how to be honest. We, we know that we need to forgive that person. We know that we need to show some compassion to, to that person because they're going in that situation, that circumstance. Like, we know we need to do those things. Therein lies the tension. We know what to do. We don't do it. And Jesus knew and he taught in a way that reinforced it simply wasn't, believing wasn't enough. Believing just wasn't enough. Jesus didn't invite people just to believe the things that he said. He, he didn't even say, hey, agree with the things that I'm saying. He just didn't <clears throat> invite people to build up all their information and build up all their knowledge. He invited them to do the things that he taught. He invited them to do what he taught because doing makes all the difference. When we believe but don't do, our goals don't come true. When we believe but don't do, our goals don't come true. And, and it's good to have goals for those of us who are followers of Jesus. 
God shapes those goals. He shapes those desires. Now, for those of us who have yet to be a follower of Jesus, we're kind of figuring this thing out, and you guys have goals too. Like, you have goals. Those goals are shaped by parents. They're shaped by a spouse. They're shaped by family. They're shaped by desires. And we all know this to be true. We fail in life because of what we don't do. Not because we believe. Not because we believe in the right things. It's, 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 it's not even that. It's that we don't do. We can believe all the right things, but if we don't do those right things, we're going to fail. We, we all know that. Ultimately, it is doing or not doing that makes the difference. And here's what's worse. If we believe all the right things, but don't do any of the right things, then our faith, it, it becomes frail. It becomes fragile. It becomes weak. Jesus' purpose for his followers would be characterized by a growing faith. Now notice, his invitation to the first disciples wasn't believe me. It wasn't, hey, agree with me. It was follow me. Following is relational. It's active. It's interactive. And over the years, it seems like we have, we have, we have reduced following Jesus to believe in Jesus. And it may be for convenience sake, but it's like, hey, if you believe, man, you get to heaven. And it's like our focus is getting people to heaven instead of helping people follow Jesus here and now. Only believing means that faith is easier. It's safe. It's less demanding than following. It's not active. It's not relational. It's not interactive. And, and quite honestly, to just believe, it means that there's no change required. I don't need to really change. Like, uh, I, I, I believe and I'm in. Why do I need to change? See, his invitation to follow me was not just to believe right things, not just to believe true things so we go to heaven when we die. It was to live a life here and now that reflects their trust in God. Do you know that God is most honored by your growing faith? He's honored by by my growing faith, there are going to be times for some of us who have been, been Christians for a while, we know that God is good. We know that He is faithful. We know that He makes promises and He keeps promises. Like we know those things. But when those situations and those circumstances happen that get us to question, well, He's not answering my prayers. He's not getting me out of this situation. He's not getting me out of this diagnosis. He's not getting me into that interview. He's not getting me that promotion. See, in that gap, a growing faith is going to trust God regardless of the circumstances because we know how good God is. We know how faithful He is. The same thing goes for you. People have an expectation of you. Like your closest friends and family, Maybe the people you work with, they have an expectation of you. Like they know who you are over time. They know that you may be loyal. They know that you may have other people's best interest in mind. But then a circumstance or a situation happens and this is where they expect of you because they know who you are. But something happened, a circumstance, a situation that kept you from delivering on something. And you know what people who know you do? They trust you. They trust your character. So in that gap, they trust. Same thing happens with God. 
in our relationship with Him, when we feel like He's not answering questions, man, we're going to trust who He is. Jesus didn't invite people to simply believe the things that He taught. He wasn't like, hey, just agree with me. He was like, no, 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 I need you to do. He invited people to follow Him. And think of this question. What would you do if you were confident God was with you? Let's personalize it. What would I do if I was confident God was with me? How would I respond in that situation? How would I react to that person when that thing happened? What would I attempt? What would I initiate? What would I avoid? Who would I forgive? Who would I seek forgiveness? Who would I seek forgiveness from? And in this series, we'll be answering this question: What fuels the development of our growing faith? Like, how do we develop a real-world faith? A faith that goes the distance regardless of my circumstances, my situations, and the people who may or may not be on my side. What creates in us an unashamed faith, that a faith that I'm not afraid to pray with my spouse, I'm not afraid to pray with my kids or my coworkers. See, based on what Jesus taught and what he modeled, combined with hundreds of conversations I've had with people over the years, there seems to be five things that God does to grow our faith. Regardless of your season, regardless of your age, he uses five things. And we're going to see one thing each week. And so the first is practical teaching. Every growing faith story that I've heard includes a time when they've had that aha moment. It's like when the Bible comes alive. It just, it just, it just comes alive in their life. And they're like, ah, now it's starting to make sense. It's not just for my information. It's for my application. When we apply God's word and see God faithful and honoring his word, our faith begins to grow. Our trust in him deepens. When we obey God and he comes through, our trust in him deepens. Whenever we follow Jesus in an area that's challenging us, when our faithfulness to him aligns with his faithfulness to him, to us, oh my goodness, man, our faith begins to grow. Think of faith like a muscle. If you want it to grow, you got to exercise it, right? Now, last week I shared this uh, share this analogy and uh, this illustration and some of you it really resonated with so I'll share it again because we're going to be talking about this what would you what would you say to me if I told my wife that I loved her but I locked her out of the house like <laughs> like we're not fighting or anything but what would that say of me that would say I don't what I don't trust my wife but doesn't love and trust go together so if I don't trust her do I really love her now, how many of us say, oh, God, I love you, but we don't trust him? See, trust is the currency of your relationship with God. Trust is the currency of your relationship with God. Some of, some of you feel very poor spiritually. It's because you don't trust God. There's others in the room. You feel very rich spiritually. It's because you trust God. Jesus was teaching a sermon, and it's definitely his famous sermon. And he's helping people not only to understand things, but to do things. So he'll say things like this, pray for your enemy. Forgive those who've hurt you. Be generous. Deal with your sin before you try to deal with someone else's sin. And this was very tough stuff. Very tough stuff. For Jews living under Roman control, Roman taxation, Roman influence, and Roman culture. But notice how he concludes his sermon. 
He says, because of everything I just said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, notice he, he just didn't say, well, if you just agree with me or if you just believe me, if you just remember the things that I've said. No, he says you have to hear and do. When we believe but don't do, our goals or what he wants us to do in and through us doesn't happen. He says the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. We all know storms can be devastating. The audience understood as they were seaside on the Galilee. They, they, they knew what had happened before. <clears throat> they had been during those, those crazy storms on the Galilee with the wind and the rain and the waves, they would have seen the destruction on their, on their shores. Last March, we went down to visit my, my, my aunt and my grandma down in Marco Island, Florida, and they're right outside of Fort Myers. And five months prior to us going down, Hurricane Ian hit, and it was devastating. And when we got down there, we could still see the effects of Hurricane Ian. Storms are powerful. And storms are going to come. See, the foundation of a house can be the difference between life and death, surviving with something or losing everything. He continues, he says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And, and just like we knew, just like we know, just like the audience knew, anyone who builds on sand is wasting time. All it takes is one wave. All it takes is one storm. All it takes is one hurricane. And everything that you spent time doing is gone. Remember, Jesus is illustrating our faith. If we hear and believe but don't do, our faith's inactive. It's going to be destroyed when the storm, when the crisis, when the diagnosis, when the situation comes. Believing but not doing sets us up for failure. The rain came down. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. Do you know how people who hear but don't do respond when the crash comes? They blame God. They walk away from faith. They walk away because God didn't do what they wanted Him to do. He didn't do what they expected Him to do. He didn't do what they prayed for Him to do. And isn't that our culture, that we blame others for our lack of responsibility? Well, it's his fault. Oh, it's her fault. Man, if they hadn't done that, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Guys, Jesus is loving enough to provide us a warning before it's too late. Jesus wants better for you than you want for you. Jesus wants better for me than I want for me. And guys, one day the storms are going to come. They're going to come for you. They're coming for me. For, for some of us, sooner than later. And the way we prepare, the way we get through those storms is through doing what He says. we got to do. Jesus had finished these, saying these things. The crowds were amazed at his teaching. Notice this. Because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. You know what made Jesus different is because he was the word of God. See, he was the authority. The, the religious leaders, the rabbis, all they could say is, well the, well, well, the word of God says, or the law says. Jesus says, no, I say. 
But isn't that our culture, guys? We could be so focused on what everyone else says with the platform. Everyone else with the platform, if they say it, it, it it's gold. Well, what does T-Swift think? Or what, what does this person think? Or how would they handle this situation? And then we're on YouTube and then we're on TikTok and trying to figure out what they would do about it. And yet Jesus is saying, I want you. I want more for you than you could want for you. And we bypass his, you bypass his word for someone else's word. Shortly after the resurrection, Jesus' brother James believes and follows his brother as God in the flesh. And while Jesus had his earthly ministry, James sort of distanced himself from his brother. Like, I don't know, my brother seems to be out there. And then after the resurrection, he's like, nope, my brother was right. I'm all in. Notice how he reinforces what Jesus taught. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Here's what happens. Sometimes when you and I read the Bible, we read God's word, we can get in our heads so much. Well, what does culture think about this? Or wonder what this person thinks about this. Or, or sometimes we just read it and we don't do anything about it. We never apply it. That's why he says, do what it says. James is reinforcing that believing doesn't do anything. Growing our faith requires doing. And like we talked about before, man, faith's a muscle. Without exercise, a, a muscle begins to wither away. We exercise our faith by doing and experiencing God's faithfulness. That's one of the ways that our faith grows. He writes, anyone who listens to the word but, not, but doesn't do it is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Have you ever gotten up in the morning after hitting the snooze button like eight times? And you like, like kind of like push yourself into the bathroom and you get yourself into the shower and then you kind of come out, you brush your teeth. And you're like, oh my goodness, I look what time it is. I got to go. And then you get to work. You go to the bathroom after two cups of coffee and you realize that toothpaste is on your face. <laughs> you ever been there? Or you realize that you missed this patch of shaving? Even back then, mirrors, they were polished metals. And they were used to making yourself presentable. A foolish person rushes through, never takes the time to appropriately clean and straighten themselves. And what James is doing is he's illustrating how the Bible is a mirror. If we don't take what it says and apply it, then we're not going to be growing in our faith. The Bible was not written for our information, but for our transformation. If we just get informed, we're missing the other half of the equation, application. The Bible reveals that we need to work on and then what we need to do with it. Lane Jones, who used to lead one of our networks, said this, unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. It doesn't do anybody any good. The value is in the application. And that's our focus here. Jesus-centered teaching with application. And listen, without application, we're like unapplied paint. It's a pointless faith. Our faith is meant to grow. When we believe, but don't do, our goals don't come true. Where in your life can make, like where in your life can doing make a big difference? Relationship that's gone sideways? 
marriage that has been rocky due to an unexpected storm, finances that have been hard to master, parenting teenagers who seem to approach life with minimum effort and zero ambition, managing your time by saying yes to the things that will last 100 years from now and saying no to the things that won't. But we're not growing our faith when we're content to believe true things. We're growing our faith when we act on what we believe. It's when we decide to follow Jesus. So two questions to ask. One, if you grew up in church, what was emphasized? Was it believing or was it following? And then number two, have you ever applied a specific teaching of the Bible and then looking back, it prepared you for that unexpected storm? Heavenly Father, we are incredibly thankful for the time to see that practical teaching is one way that you use to grow our faith. You use it to grow our dependence on you, our trust in you. So Father, I ask that we would continue to put ourselves in front of your word, not just to hear, but to do. For those of us who have yet to make a decision to follow Jesus, I ask that you would allow them to see that you want more for them than they could ever want for themselves that you made a way to have a relationship with them. As they repent, turn from their sin, and trust you, I ask that you would allow them to see the potential that their faith can grow, it can deepen, their trust of you can deepen over time. For those of us who are ready to walk away because of a situation or a circumstance, I pray that we are evaluating why. Why are we trying to run away? Why are we trying to walk away from, from you? So Father, give us boldness to trust you, to deepen our trust of you, who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.